And that's the thing, even the things that I feel like I'm great at, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's imposter syndrome or it just, you know, you scroll Twitter and you just see like people who are just like ridiculously good at what they do. Yeah. And, you know, there's always somebody out there. I'll actually, I'll go back. This is one thing that my dad did say, and I will take this to my grave and I tell everybody this because it's the same thing. I tell my kids this, that there is always going to be somebody that's bigger, better, faster, stronger, whatever, like always. Like I, you know, if you're the top 1%, uh, you know, best in the world at one thing. Awesome. I probably don't know who you are. Like <laughs> you're probably amazing, but I probably will never, ever going to meet you. Like, just because like, I'm just the average guy and every, you know, there's always somebody who's better at, at something than you are. Even if you're the best at some one thing, you probably suck at a whole like 99.9% of all the other things in life. So my dad was like, Hey, you know, there's always going to be somebody bigger, better, faster, stronger. So shut your mouth and just let your actions speak and do what you want to do. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Nate Ritter, founder of Room Steals, a travel membership that provides customers with incredible deals on hotel rooms. Nate is a technology executive who has started, bought, and sold companies, and who has also consulted for companies like Microsoft and Land Rover. Fun fact, Nate also popularized the use of the hashtag on Twitter. Pretty cool, huh? In this episode, we talk about where the idea for Room Steals came from and how it compares to Expedia and other OTAs, how to build a productized experience for your STR collection, hot takes on the future of travel and hospitality, and what it's like to live full-time in an RV as a family of five. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Nate. Okay, Nate, we are... We're live, man. How you doing today? I'm good. Hey, remind me, is this also being recorded? Is this going to be playing on like video as well? Should I have done my hair? Um, no. So I get to look at you <laughs> okay. and you look great. Um, but no, we're not we're not releasing video yet. And honestly, I keep getting this request from from subscribers. We're like, hey man, like uh, are you gonna do video? And I really need to do it. My problem, Nate, is that I don't have like a sexy like setup yet. And I'm like, I'm, I typically am recording episodes and I'm like in my closet, like hiding under like a coat or something like that. And everyone I talked to is like, oh, dude, are you like, are you like in your closet? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, I need to invest in like the proper setup, but I'm moving. So I'm waiting. I'm moving in December. And so like in December, I'll finally have, I'm taking, we, we got a place with a significantly larger closet that I can turn into a studio literally go. for the purpose of being able to do video for, uh, for these pods. Anyways, that is a very oh. long way of saying that, no, it is audio only. <laughs> cool. No worries. No worries. I just wasn't sure. So, you know, I wasn't, uh, wasn't sure if I needed to like watch myself 
off, like check something, you know, I don't know what. So no, you know, for, for what it's worth, you look, you look fantastic. So, um, <laughs> okay. but, but let's dive in here, man. So, uh, one of my, one of my favorite questions to ask folks that come on the show is to kind of throw a, throw a scenario at them. Um, and really the sole purpose of this is to help people get a better understanding of who you are and, and what you do, how you think. So my, my scenario here for you is you show up at a cocktail party. Okay. And you know, nobody. Right. So this isn't a place like your buddy invited you or you're with your wife or your kid. Like there's nobody. Right. Nobody, you know, Uh, you're at this cocktail party. What what are you drinking at this party? Right. So you don't have to worry about if you go for a drink that you don't typically go for. You know, no one's going to no one's going to make fun of you. Like you can drink whatever you want. Right. Um, (laughs) So what are you drinking? Who might you be talking to? And then inevitably, when you go and talk to somebody, how do you how do you introduce yourself? Okay. So you, you, I, I, you threw me with the, like, you could go anywhere you want now my, with my whole, like, you know, world opened up, but I think <laughs> I'd still, I'd still end up with scotch whiskey or an IPA. Okay. Like, I think that's, that's kind of my go-to. I would be more than happy to try something I've never heard of or seen before. I yeah. do like that. Like my wife and I, when we drink something, a lot of times it's like, if we get like bottles of wine, we'll get one that we know and that we love and one we don't know i have no no clue whether or not it's good and so that way you kind of get the best of both worlds and if it sucks then you just pour it down the tree (laughs) nobody nobody cares and you just go to the next one but i think for this for this challenge i would probably like i'd probably end up with scotch whiskey or an ipa those are my kind of three three go-tos so yeah so you're drinking Um, one of those and then and then who who are you going to be talking to like are you the kind of person where you make eye contact with somebody and you're like, "Ooh, that looks I I don't want to talk to them." Or are you kind of the, the kind of person that's like, "Oh, I'll talk to I'll talk to anybody." Like where where do you fall on that spectrum? Um, I'd like to say I probably talk to just about anybody, really. Um, I probably would gravitate to the person who probably like I don't know, looks the most interesting and is somewhere near the back of the room. Mm. Like I'm kind of a a back of the room kind of a guy. Like I don't like I've talked uh, done public speaking and I don't mind being in the front. I'm quite extroverted. So no problems with that. But yeah. like, if I'm coming into a situation, like I just don't know, I'm probably going to stay to the back. And, you know, in, in terms of the intro, the same kind of thing, like I probably not really, I, I don't really intro myself so okay. much. Um, I would probably just start by hopefully saying something funny. That's usually <laughs> my go-to. <laughs> I shoot for funny. And if we don't have the same, you know, sense of humor, then so be it. Then, yeah. you know, move on. But, um, asking questions and my kids kind of do the same on the playground. Like they, they survey everything. They just sit there quietly and like, they look like they're stoic or something. And then they just watch everybody. And then they're like, those three kids, Mm. we're going to go play with those kids. And they just, then when they make the decision, they just run and run and gun. And that's where they're at. So I kind of like that. I'm kind of that way from a conversational point of view as well. So, Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that, that's a fantastic uh, answer. I wish I wish I was more like that. I feel like I'm I tend to just be like closest person to me. Hey, you know, who are you? What do you do? Like, talk to me like I I, I may be a little bit too extroverted, but um, uh, oh, that's awesome, though. I've been with people like you and they're awesome. I would I would wingman you. That's what would happen. I come in and wingman you and I just you just drag me around and introduce me to people you just met. So that'd be cool. I'm still I'm still <laughs> learning the art. And this is this is like such an art. But uh, and there are people that I admire that do this so freaking well. I'm terrible at it. But like there are the people that like can have a conversation. Right. And it, they realize like you know, halfway through the conversation. Right. Or, or pretty soon into the conversation that, you know, this is kind of this is a great person. I don't necessarily want to be talking to them all night and I could be talking to them all night if I, if I don't play my cards right. Right. And they can like artfully exit 
a conversation and it's so natural and it feels good and it like you don't you don't feel like they just ditched you. For me, it's like I I struggle sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, I just gotta get out of this conversation. I just say I have to go to the bathroom, right? And it just I just like leave, right? And then I go down and come back. <laughs> but like I, I, I really wanna master the art of like, hey, while you're talking to somebody, how do you give them, right? Undivided, just full attention how do you make them feel like the most important person in the room for the two minutes that you're going to be talking to them but then again how do you gracefully exit in a way that doesn't feel awkward so that you can go and you know talk to somebody else and the people that can do that are just incredible to me and i anyways that's my that's what i aspire to do i'm with you i'm with you i find some people like there's there's people in both business and like in these networking events that have this kind of grace. And like, I, I'm lucky enough to consult with a couple. I've, I, um, I, there's a, there's a guy who I just, um, I, I used to be a colleague with, and he had a way of, of like positioning words and talking to people that I was just like, I don't know how, but somehow you said the thing that basically would have offended anybody else, but somehow <laughs> that, like that person loves you now. And I don't really understand. Like I'm, I like to think I'm personable, but I'm not that good. No. <laughs> These people are amazing. So, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. I think it, yeah, it's some combination of just being so radically honest that like people don't know what to do with it because it, it's so genuine, right? Like it's like you can't, you can't like make fun of somebody or you can't be like, that was weird if it feels so honest to just kind of their character. And so it's some combination of just like pure honesty. And then I also do feel like it's, it's some combination of just learning the art of like working the room, right? And in understanding yeah. how do you make people feel super important while you're talking to them, but then how do you also make it clear that like, hey, we're not going to be we're not going to be buddy buddy all night, right? And that's okay. There's a, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean I don't like you. We're just that's just not what we're uh, what we're signing up for tonight. Um, yeah. Anyhow, I <laughs> I digress. I like it. One of the questions I get asked a lot from listeners is what they should look for in a PMS or a property management system. Now, we're lucky. There are a lot of great options in the market, which can't be said for software platforms in all industries. That said, I always encourage them to take a good look at Guesty for hosts. And here's why. First of all, Guesty's channel manager helps you centralize data across the major booking platforms and stay on top of all of the activity on your listings without having to hop back and forth between channels such as Airbnb, Booking.com, and Verbo. Second, Guesty's automation tools enable you to ensure you connect with guests in a meaningful, creative, and instant fashion. You can make custom messages for a variety of situations, from a response to an initial inquiry to a post-checkout follow-up encouraging your guests to leave a review. Third, Guesty for Hosts includes a website builder feature that allows you to create your own branded booking website in just minutes, allowing you to grow your listing's brand value and increase your direct bookings. And finally, Guestia has raised over $170 million, which means that they've got some serious cash to continue to seriously invest in their product. So here's the deal. If you're an STR host without a PMS system or a host looking to explore a new one, I've got a treat for you. The team at Guesty is giving Behind the Stays listeners and Sponstaneous subscribers 20% off their first year when they use the discount code SPONSTANEOUS at checkout. That's S-P-O-N-S-T-A-Y-N-E-O-U-S, Sponstaneous at checkout. You can get started with a 14-day free trial today. No credit card, setup fee, or commitment required, and you can cancel anytime if you don't love it. Once your 14-day free trial is up, use the discount code SPONSTANEOUS for 20% off your first year. 
Desti for hosts. It's the bestie of top-rated STR Superhosts. Nate, one of uh, my favorite questions to you to ask folks who I have the privilege of of talking to on this podcast and, and just uh, even just in life that I that I admire is how did your how did your family grow up um, growing up I guess within the context of your family how was success characterized how did your parents talk about money uh, if at all yeah it's. It's interesting. I, I hadn't really ever thought about that before because I kind of I, I think about you know success and money and those kinds of things and trying to define that for myself. Mm. But I had never really thought about going back and thinking like, well, what? How did my parents do this? Or how how was that modeled to me? Um, so I grew up in Northwest Washington, up and down the I five corridor, and and I mean I I don't know if I don't know if you can stereotype that kind of area or whatever, but like it's pretty low key. Like most mm. people are pretty chill. Um, if, if we had surf, it would be a surfer town, but it's not, it's, not, <laughs> it's too cold for that. Um, but the, you know, my family didn't really talk too much about money or success. I think the, um, you know, I'm 45, you know, my parents uh, in their 60s, 70s. And so that generation, you know, those, I think actually one of the things, if I do remember back, there was a, there was a line, I think at some point, my dad, or somebody, somebody in my family had said, it's yeah. like, we don't talk about sex, religion, politics, or money. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, that's the thing. Like you just, <laughs> it's off the table. Yeah, You don't talk about it to anybody. And I think it, even inside of our house, I mean, it wasn't really a focal point of ours. Hmm. Um, I was an entrepreneur on the start, but, but it was just because it was fun. It was a fun game. And I saw that like, this was a game to me. Um, I sold t-shirts to neighbors and franchise lemonade stands and paper routes and sell sold art and t-shirts and stuff. Um, and it wasn't really till I got to high school, um, where I learned, you know, how my friend made like $800 in profit in a week by fixing a computer for $40. But that was kind of my story. My parents, my, you know, my dad, um, worked for 30 years at the same job. My mom, really took care of us. And it was kind of, there's kind of two pieces to the puzzle. One is we didn't really talk about it. Yeah. And the other was like, eventually my parents divorced and that and mm. we had, you know, kind of bigger problems to think about yeah. like on a day-to-day basis. So we were just kind of like going through the motions and they were kind of always the stable workforce, you know, my dad, especially. And, and he was like, you know, you should go get a job after the computer stuff started happening. He was like, you should go get a job at Microsoft. And I'm like, dad, I'm not going to like, that's not my thing. And <laughs> I will, if I have to. Yeah. But like, but he's like, no, it's a great job. And, you know, and I knew people who worked there and stuff, but it just never was my thing. And so I think the combination of knowing that there's that stable possibility and then also seeing like my mom was very varied. She was a wide variety of things that she would do. And she always supported us in whatever we did. Mm. And so if, I mean, it went from like drawing things to like being entrepreneurial or to whatever. She was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to go, I don't know, walk around town, look for loose change. She's like, great, let's go do it. And she's like, <laughs> off in the car and we go downtown. So it it was, uh, it was always supported whatever we wanted to do. So it, it wasn't really, I think success for us was just kind of like, not really like a destination. Hmm. It wasn't a goal. Yeah. It was just kind of like whatever, like, yeah. let's just do what we want to do today. And, and it wasn't like fly by night either. There was, like I said, there always a stability factor there. So we kind of knew there was, you had to do something to yeah. pay the bills. Um, but it really wasn't talked about. Hmm. Uh, and, and other than the, like, don't talk about it with other people kind of a situation inside the house, it was just kind of like, eh, whatevs, like 
just do life, you know, like what, what, what floats your boat, like go do that. Yeah. And it's kind of that more than anything. And I really like the entrepreneurial stuff. And so I stuck to it and I didn't really have any, you know, my mom supported me in that kind of stuff, but she didn't really like know yeah. how this kind of stuff works. Sure. Um, especially not tech businesses and, and, and nobody knew that at the time. So it was kind of a new thing, but yeah, so it wasn't really, I mean, it, I was always kind of the person to break new ground. Like mm. it wasn't really uh, a part of our family heritage or like even our DNA at all. It was just kind of like in, in my personality, like I got to go do this thing. And they were kind of like, you got, you're crazy. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll be here when you fail. Yeah. 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 Was, <laughs> yeah. was there, um was there an expectation that you'd go to college? Was that like a foregone conclusion? You're in the mind of your parents. Um, I don't know. Okay. Honestly, uh, it was it was another one where I think the hope was that yes, but the reality because of divorces and like just family stuff, like um, the reality was like there there wasn't a savings account for us or anything like that. So yeah. if we wanted to go, you know, it was our choice. Yeah. Um, and the you know that I want I wanted to go that the I didn't really know why. I just kind of felt like I think everybody else was doing it. And so I wanted to go and then I couldn't go. Um, my parents, my dad made quote unquote too much money, mm. which actually he didn't make that much money, but um, he supposedly made too much money that where I couldn't go with um, like the FAFSA and all that kind of stuff. Like they would have basically said, you need to pay for it all yourself. And yeah. I just didn't have it. I didn't have a good grades. You know, I was like a 3.0 student cause I didn't, mostly cause I didn't care. Like yeah. if I, when I applied myself, I got my A's and stuff, <laughs> but like, I just didn't care. I knew school was a game. And so I didn't have any incentive to do any, any better. And I didn't really have any desire to, I didn't know what I was going to do in college. So, and my parents didn't save. So I waited until I was 24 and then I could not, claim my parents on my FAFSA and then I went to college. So, but, but by that point, I already ran businesses. I already wow. had like multiple businesses that I was running and I was already doing the thing that I wanted to do. And I, so I thought, well, I'll go get a computer science degree. And what ended up happening was I, I hated computer science. It was way too much <laughs> math. And I was like, no, nope, this isn't it. And, and I realized that actually what I really like is business. So I got a management information systems business degree, um, with internet focus and, and management information systems focus. And so it was, but what was happening was I was actually getting a degree in what I was already doing. Yeah. I already had, yeah. you know, five years of experience doing this kind of stuff, if not more. I literally sat in the class and taught most of the class in <laughs> certain instances. So it was just like, I already knew what I was doing. I was getting a piece of paper that said it. Yeah. And, you know, just in case, looking, just in case, yeah, right? That that, yeah. that big idea didn't go anywhere. You, you, this was this was the one thing that you were supposed to be able to fall back on, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's exactly it. It was supposed to be my insurance, and I've never used it since. So, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. okay, so you this is super interesting. So I didn't realize you waited to go to college. That's awesome. Um, and I, I actually really enjoy. I had an alternative kind of college experience too, which we can talk about another time. But I I, I do think that there is something to be said for people that took non traditional paths uh, and or waited to go to school um, there they tend to have like a just I think a healthier perspective on on life on the importance of education and or you know the the ways in which education 
uh, is actually broken. Uh, and it's I, fi- I find that there are typically some like really good stories from those individuals who who just did things a little bit differently. So that's awesome. So okay, you were very entrepreneurial since you were a kid. Um, did, was there a particular goal that you had in mind growing up? Were you? Uh, I don't know that you would have used the words "I want to be an entrepreneur" when you were what ten years old. But like, wh- at what point in time do you realize, huh? Like this this is a knack that's not just this isn't just like an interest. Like this is this is something I was like designed to do like where are you when you kind of come to terms with that realization and and what were you doing when that realization settled in uh i think for me it was i i it was like some of that computer stuff that i mentioned like where i saw my friend make money uh and to me like it had always been about business technology came second um but technology i saw was like I saw the wave happen. Mm. Like I saw the internet get popular. That was, and that's how, that's how old I am. So like, I saw that happening and I was like, and then I looked back after five, six years and I was like, oh, I should have bought like a crazy amount of domain names like that. That would have been a great idea. (laughs) Um, You know, you see that stuff happening and you see then, but after a while you start to see the same cycles as you get older through the stuff. But the things that when I realized for me that this was my space, um, or at least what I really enjoyed doing. I st- I'll start with that. I didn't realize that it was this was the only thing I was going to be doing for a while. But like the thing that I really enjoyed was when I took those like that part-time computer, like change things out and like fix it and then hand it over to somebody and sell stuff to a real business where I was actually like buying wholesale, building retail. And I've kind of built the first like, well, I don't know if it was the first, but like the before Gateway and Dell came out where you could like, customize your own computers yeah. and have it shipped. I was doing that. I built a website. I did the whole thing like where you could customize all your stuff. I would buy all the parts and put it together and then I go deliver it and like set it up for people. And like, I Dang. loved that kind of like process of like configuring things. Huh. Found lots of fraud in the industry as well at the same time, <laughs> like people using stolen credit cards and stuff. So there's an interest there. There's psychology, there's fraud, there's, you know, all the dynamics of that. And so, but I liked the wide variety of like how all the things had to kind of come together to make it work Hmm. and, and then leveraging something like the internet to make it happen where you could see there's this scale that's, and I don't even think I realized that that was the thing that I was looking at, but I knew it when I saw it, I was like, there's scale here. I could like make this thing blow up. Yeah. And I've done this a few times. Like this has been a pattern where I'm like, oh, this is really cool. There's something here, but I could never put the words to it. And then. I would like kill it off. And so eventually like I stopped doing that business. I went to work for somebody else. And later on, I built a website that was basically a Facebook before there was Facebook. And it was the same kind of thing. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And like everybody in our school was looking at our site, but I kept it closed. Mm. And I was like, I'd go down through the computer labs and like everybody's got our website open and it's hilarious and it's super fun. And it was just the guys in my apartment, but like there was something there. I was like, that that's cool. But I just didn't find the tweak that said like, you should open this up to everybody else. Yeah. To do too. <laughs> so, you know, there's things like that that you see and you're like, wow, this is amazing. And I think it's always been seeing that leverage and seeing the, like there's opportunity mm. for anybody at any point to build all kinds of things. And literally like you could go and borrow a computer and be at the, at a computer lab in a college or in a, you know, even in a, uh, like a library or something and use an online IDE or something. And like, you could build a website, build something for yeah. somebody else and put it out there. And you, you now have a business. Yeah. Like yeah. it does, it takes very, very little to start a business these days. And I think it was that, that like drove me to be like, Oh, this is, this is where it's at. This is what I have to do because there's just, 
it's too much opportunity there. You could do anything. Yeah. And yeah. So I think it was like that early stage of like switching from the computers, just doing the used stuff to the wholesale retail and then putting that online. I was like, Oh, boom. Yeah. Like, this is it. Yeah. This yeah. is where I need to be. Yeah. That's uh that is such a cool, uh, a cool, just kind of like a timeline, right? Um, and so many lessons, I'm sure that you kind of learned along the way, things that you realized you really liked doing, things that you realized, ah, I don't really like doing this. Um, and, and you know, just so cool that you were able to kind of like dabble in a plethora of pools to kind of like pull from and, and ultimately identify what are the things I actually like doing. Um, it was funny, as I was uh, preparing for our, our chat today, I just I was Googling you uh, last night um, and found your website and was like reading a little bit about your your resume and I was just like impressed because I was like, this this dude is like, he's got so many like diverse interests and has done like so many different like random things. Of course, like technology and, and business is at the heart of each one, but um, I found the, uh, your, you linked to this on your website. Um, I, I don't even know what the website was to be honest with you, but like there's a hyperlink on your website that goes to um, uh, a link that's talking about Twitter hashtags and popularizing hashtags on Twitter. And um, you're kind of, you're credited as, as one of the, if not the person that like made that a thing. Um, and so you've done, you've done weird things like that, right? To, to things mm -hmm. like consulting for uh, companies like Microsoft and, and Land Rover. Um, and again, as I've just pouring over your resume, I'm like, dude, this guy is like interested in like so many different things. You're also RVing full-time with your family right now, right? You're like living on the road. Right. Like, so you're just a, a, an interesting character all around. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. And so I want to ask right before we kind of dive into to room steals and, and talking about, uh, you know, the, the business, uh, the really the reason why you're on this podcast is to talk about room steals. But right before we do that, I, I do want to ask, like, given given your diverse set of interests, like, what are the things like you're really great at? And, you know, what, what are the things that you've learned that you just like suck at doing? Because you, you must you must have realized this given the, just the diverse set of experiences that you've had thus far. Like you must be able to now identify uh, at least hopefully Hey, I'm really great at these things. I really suck at these things. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's I, I suck at a lot of things. So I I think that the older you get, the real you realize like there's all, and that's the thing. Even the things that I feel like I'm great at, like I don't know, I don't know if it's imposter syndrome or just you know you scroll Twitter and you just see like people who are just like ridiculously good at what they do. Yeah, and you know there's always somebody out there. I'll actually, I'll go back. This is one thing that my dad did say, and I will take this to my grave and I tell everybody this because it's the same thing. I tell my kids this, that 
there is always going to be somebody that's bigger, better, faster, stronger, whatever, like always. Like I, you know, if you're the top 1%, uh, you know, best in the world at one thing, awesome. I probably don't know who you are. Like <laughs> you're probably amazing, but I probably will never, ever going to meet you. Like, just because like, I'm just the average guy and every, you know, there's always somebody who's better at, at something than you are. Even if you're the best at some one thing, you probably suck at a whole like 99.9% of all the other things in life. So my dad was like, Hey, you know, there's always going to be somebody bigger, better, faster, stronger. So shut your mouth and just let your actions speak and do what you want to do. And so for me, it's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I don't feel like I'm great at. And I just pursue the things that I feel like I'm either, there's two facets to it. Either I feel like I'm good at it and I like it, or even better than that is that other people around me feel that I'm good at. Mm. And so I keep a close, tight knit group of people who I will ask this question to regularly because self-deception is the easiest uh, and most pervasive like problem that we can have. And so like, I don't want to be deceived. And so I want like by myself, yeah. and so I'm not going to get my own ego going and like say, I'm awesome at this, but I want other people to tell me like, this is what you're the best in my world at. And it might not be the world, but in their world. Mm. And that's good enough for me. Mm. And so I can, I can go with that and use that to my advantage because somehow, somehow I, I help them do something. And so it's a long-winded answer, but you know, I want to make sure that you understand how I got there because yeah, I think how you that's get great. to understanding this helps. Yeah. And um, so I am, I really suck at maintaining. I, I'm, I suck at like, that goes for finance, relationships, the status quo. I am not very good at any of that stuff. Um, I'm a starter. I like to see things move forward. Mm. I like to learn new things and see new things all the time. It's why we're traveling around in an RV. Um, it's why I have a variety of interests. I still, I mean, I kind of have had this like uh, nice focal point of technology, but you can say technology and that's a huge, huge amount of stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, the pen is technology, you know, so like whatever, <laughs> pick something. So, um, but I don't like doing the same thing uh, or staring at the same problem every day. I like to solve the problem and then move on to something else. And I think there's all kinds of people out there who are better at maintaining those things than I am. And so I'd rather let them do what they like to do. Um, and some of those people are some of my closest friends and they're really good at maintaining stuff. Um, which is great. And we just had, you know, they're like, I don't know how you do what you do. And I'm like, I don't know how you do what you do. I, you know, I can't, I can't do that all day, but, um, but that leads to like, what am I good at? I, I am, I've found that I'm very good at helping founders figure out what they should be focused on. Mm. Um, cause being a founder is chaotic mm. and, and as a founder, you're doing everything, especially at the beginning, you're doing everything all the time. And the moment you start a business, you have more things on your to-do list than you have ever imagined. If it's your first business, it's just like, you're like, whoa, your world exploded. And so filtering and focusing is one of the most important things that you could be doing and trying to figure out. And so it's really hard to do that when you're in the weeds. And a lot of times founders need somebody that they can bounce things off of yeah. and say like, I've got, here's my list of like random stuff that I got to feel like I have to do like tell me where I'm crazy or what I should be focused on because I feel like I should be focused on all of it. Yeah. And so I help founders kind of get through that crap and then get to the good nuggets and find what they can leverage, what they're good at and what helps them kind of move the needle in the right direction. So connecting dots and like helping people leverage what they are, you know, what they can do. That's, that's kind of my specialty really. Your superpower. Yeah. I, I, I think what's, what's so funny about what it, this just hit me um, is like, 
I feel like with uh, my own my own company, um, which is very you know much in in startup mode, it's really just still like a side hustle. Um, but it's it's one of those things where every day when I get up, I'm like, all right, I've got a few hours to work on this before I've got to you know tackle my real job. Um, what what am I gonna? How am I gonna use those hours, right? And then I come up with like, okay, great, this is this is like the priority, right? And then I make the mistake of like opening up Twitter right before I go tackle that thing. And then I read someone's tweet about why the thing that I was about to do is like the worst way that I should be spending my time as like an early stage founder. And I'm like, damn it. Like, I like why did I open Twitter? And then I like yeah. second guess, oh, maybe I'm not supposed to be spending my time doing this thing anymore. Like maybe. And yet it's like I'm letting some person that I've never even met in real life, right, dictate like, you know, what I should actually be spending my time in simply because like, uh, he, you know, I assume that he's a few steps ahead of me. He looks more successful than me, et cetera. Um, and, and hey, maybe he is right. Right. But like the point being that um, it is it is quite difficult uh, when you're when you're when you're just starting out to understand, hey, what really is priority? Uh, at, you know, at least for today, tomorrow's priority could be a little bit different. But what is what is the most important thing to be focused on right now? And it's funny because you hear people say this all the freaking time, right? Like yeah. the amount of people that talk about prioritization and organization and yada, yada, yada. Like it's everybody. Everybody thinks that they're good at talking about it now. Um, and yet it's still something that is, is is difficult to do. So it's cool. It's cool to hear that you get joy and you're, you're good at helping folks prioritize and focus because I do think, especially when you're early on, it is, it is really challenging to understand um, where, where to put your limited time and your, and your limited energy. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, it's one of the things that I, I found this like probably 10 years ago, my business founder, business partner and I were sitting around and we ran a service agency in San Diego. And and so we would do web development and just development, not the design or any of that other stuff, just, just development, building scalable web applications. But the thing is, is that we would sit around and we'd take on this new client we'd, and we'd be like, we'd give them an hour and we'd go to this hour, quote unquote, hour and we'd show up and it turned into three hours of like, well, what's your business? What's your go to market? What's your strategy? How do you, how are you going to do this? How are you going to make it, you know, this work with, you know, I don't know, customer, customer development yeah. or whatever. And I told my business partner and he said the same thing. We were like, if I could do this all day long, uh, that's all I would do. Like, I love this part so much. Yeah. And the development is fun. And that's kind of, that's how we made our money. But, but doing the consulting part of it was the fun part of it. Yeah. And to, and I think it was yesterday or maybe this morning, somebody goes, somebody put on Twitter is like, um, what is the, um, what is the general advice that you tell all startup founders? And I said, don't take general advice. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it, so yeah, the point yeah. is, is like, you know, you look on Twitter at like some person who tweeted something and it says that they're doing the exact opposite and you should never do what you're doing right now. And the thing is, is that they don't know you, they yeah, don't know yeah, your, yeah. where you're at in your business, who you are as a person, what you have leverage and what you don't have leverage to, what your network is. They don't know anything about your startup or what, you know, industry you're in. They know nothing. Yeah. So then they say, don't ever do this thing. And you're like, but that's the thing that's going to work. You know, like they have no clue. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So like it's the random, it's a poster board as you're traveling down the highway. Like you, it doesn't mean anything to you and yeah. your startup. So like, I feel you because I do the same thing. <laughs> I like look on Twitter and I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm yeah. just looking at comparing myself to everything else, but like get rid of that. Yeah. And like, yeah. just do you and you know your business yeah. and you'll learn, like yeah. you'll learn what needs to be done. And don't let it, any tweet tweet tell you what to do and what not to do. Like do your thing, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> no, no, I, I I needed that. This is like therapy, Nate. This is great. Um, but but speaking, <laughs> you, of- you know, what's funny is I I just said this the other day. I said yeah. like, you know, I, uh, with one of my clients, they're like, hey, you know, we've talked about all this stuff, and I feel like we haven't really got anything done. And I'm like, you know, I'm just like your business therapist, so it's all good. So <laughs> dang, dude, I have I have it's fallen for your spell, man. Um, but. <laughs> But speaking of Twitter, you know, the, one of the benefits of Twitter is you do get to meet cool people. Um, and so that's actually how, how we connected. And really how, why I wanted to have you on this podcast, too, was because you are the founder of a company called Room Steals. And what's super cool about Room Steals um, from, you know, what I understand about it is it's a it's a membership site. It allows folks to kind of secure these discounts on on top rated hotels. And what struck me initially is spontaneous. My business is focused on bringing last minute deals on Airbnbs to our subscribers. And so there's there's you know some synergies here. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's somebody who's doing this and they're doing something cool in the in the hotel space. I I got to meet this guy, right? And so that's how that's anyways that's how we first connected. But um I want to talk about room steals then i want to talk a little bit about your kind of thoughts and perspectives on hospitality and like travel in general um but before we go any further could you just give us like a, a quick little shark tank like pitch for for what room steals is and and then talk to us a little bit about like where the idea initially came from sure um so i'll try and keep it as short as i can i'm, I'm pretty pretty bad at doing like short-term pitches but <laughs> but i'll try um so Historically, so just so everybody's aware, so like I've been a travel hacker for a long time, like 15 years or so, and I've seen pretty much, you know, all the tricks in the book for getting good deals. Um, and and just a testament to that, my wife and I had, hadn't paid for a flight or a hotel um, other than taxes or something like that for about 10 years. And we traveled internationally and domestically. So that's so incredible. We, you know, we had... Yeah, we had figured it out, right? Like it was pretty, pretty amazing. And it's kind of a heyday in that time period too. It's a little bit harder now, but I found, you know, during, during that time or like after that time, um, later I had found this source, um, this uh, hotel inventory source, and I had never seen it before. And it was and the way I knew that I had never seen it is I was seeing $3,000 a night penthouse hotels, uh, hotel penthouses for going for $300 a night. And I've never seen that deal. Jeez. Never. Like, yeah. you know, you see like 10% off at hotels.com or something like that, yeah. but you never see anything like 90% off and it wasn't everywhere. It's not, you know, all the time, but um, when I started asking questions about it and realized that I had access to it as just a general, you know, everyday Joe, um, I realized I was like, well, everybody should have access to this. And that's kind of who I am. Like if I have access to something and then everybody should have access to something. I'm not really like a hold it close to the chest kind of a guy. Yeah. Um, I don't do secrets. I could never be a spy. Like I'm not that <laughs> like, like that kind of thing. So, so I thought like, why keep this to myself? And, um, and so, so, you know, to kind of like, I'm sure everybody on your podcast already knows the way that other sites um, and OTAs, kind of do their business is they mark up hotels and uh so they either take you know from wholesale to retail yep um that margin difference or they get commission and um and if they get commission it just makes the cost higher anyway right so we don't do either of those things we don't get a commission from the hotels and we don't take we don't add margin so the consumer sees exactly what what you know we make nothing on the transaction nothing yeah. at all nothing on the front end nothing on the back end um and so our objective is to kind of give this whole concept over like if you want to book a penthouse suite for 300 bucks instead of 3000 you should just go here and like check to see like can you do that and if it's possible if the hotel is playing that wholesale game then it is possible 
Um, and so we want to give that back to the consumer. And so what we did is we just became like Costco and did a subscription instead of marking up the hotels. And I just like transparency. Like I said, I'm a terrible spy. So like, <laughs> so, so I just like transparency so much. So I thought, you know, people should have this option um, when they're searching hotels. And so we built a Chrome extension to support that. So while you're, you know, running around looking at hotels.com or booking.com or whatever, um, if there's a great hotel uh, wholesale rate available, then we'll pop up over over the top and say like, hey, here's the rate from the wholesale perspective. And if it makes sense, then you can come and book it direct with us because you really can't find it anywhere else. Mm, mm. Um, and so as long as you're, you know, a, a member and really the membership for getting the prices is free. Um, it's just when you're booking that you need to become a member because that's how we make our money. And, yeah. and, and likely you're going to save a way over the cost of the subscription. And so we had a annual fee of $95. Now we have a $17 a month fee and pretty soon we'll be bringing in a transactional fee, but these are all very transparent. Like we're not hiding any of it. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think the, the key for us is we, we really want to bring back the transparency and the trust into the industry. And some of it we can do like this and some of it we can't, some of it is like resort fees and stuff like that, that we just can't, we can't do anything about, but what we can do something about, we're going to. And I'm, you know, if I'm a travel hacker and I like these kind of deals, I want to share this with everybody else. You know, why not? I I can't book a three thousand dollar night, ho- <laughs> you know, hotel. So maybe somebody else can. So like, why not? Like, why should I hold it for myself? So yeah. that's kind of the story there. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, so just to uh, clarify a couple things. So it's almost it's almost like a honey where like I it's like a, a Chrome extension to where I I install it and then I'm just browsing whatever site I'm browsing and then it it'll just pop up and they'll say hey you know on room steals you know there there could be a deal here and then I can kind of click over and then and I am I booking through room steals like is my receipt coming through room steals or is it is you know how, how does that work? Yeah, so for us to be able to do this, we um, we actually have to be the the OTA. Okay. So um, the kind of two points of clarification. One is Chrome, the Chrome extension is an option. You don't have to have it. We Got just it. suggest it. Got it. You can come and just straight come to Room Steals, become a free member, and then and, and search. you know with email yeah. and password or Google login and search and be done. Um, but be, what the thing was is that like what I found is like as I'm searching around, I'm always looking at like a million sites trying yeah. to compare, and yeah. what I want to know is like what's the cheapest place that I can get it at. Yep. And you know, a lot of times we are the cheapest place. We're not all the time, but when we are, sometimes it's like a, a screaming, ridiculous deal. Yeah. And it's when it's those moments where I want, as a traveler, I want to know yeah. that I got the like the screaming, ridiculous deal that I'm going to tell all my buddies about. Yeah. And so that's why we built the Chrome extension as an add-on because maybe, you know, I think the thing that we realize is people aren't going to remember room steals. They're, they're going to go to where they've always been going, yep. booking Google hotels, you know, hotels.com, Expedia. Fine. So we'll support that. You can go do that. And if you have the Chrome extension, it'll just tell you what the wholesale price is. And if it makes sense, then come over and book it with us. And yes, it'll be on room steals. It'll be the receipt from room steals and confirmation numbers and all those kinds of things from us as the OTA. Yeah. And we have to, we have to play that game as the OTA. That's the only way we can bring this to the public, but like, um, that's, that's kind of the game that we have to play there. So there's restrictions in the industry that force us to do certain things, certain ways. And, and one of those is like being a member, like, why don't we just show our price everywhere and be on Google and compare it's we can't yeah. the industry doesn't allow us to yeah. by their their own kind of like handshake regulations so um so we're playing their game the way they they need it to be played and we're just hoping that people understand that part but the rest of it is you know we're trying to be as open as we can 
So. I, I, I'm remembering there's this, I can't remember the name of the company. I feel like I saw an Instagram ad for them at, at one point, but it was some company where um, it's similar in nature where they couldn't post any of the, their prices on, I don't know if it was flights or, or hotels, but you could DM them, right? You could send them a DM mm. and then they could share stuff with you. And it was like, I, I'd never seen anything like this before. And it was, it was cool. Like I, I tried it out once and I never ended up booking with them. Again, I don't remember the name of the company, but anyways, it was, it was sort of that, 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 that was my first introduction into, uh, into the, you know, the understanding really that like there are these rules, there are these regulations, uh, as to, you know, why you you can't just post publicly what the what the deals are i mean it, it makes sense it makes sense these are essentially you know some form of like group discounted group rates right and you don't want to make that publicly yeah. available if you're the hotel um so th that's awesome man well i as i was again scrolling through your website and clicking around um i came across a perfect space and it was uh what was cool about it is i i don't think i've ever heard somebody kind of like position uh, a company quite in this way, but you 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 call per, you you refer to Perfect Space as like a factory for for building startups, and it's a it's a venture studio that's building fintech and travel related companies, of which Rooms Deals is is one of them. You're a kick ass Airbnb host. In fact, you've done such a great job at marketing your short term rental on Instagram that you're pretty much entirely booked for the next six to twelve months. And while it doesn't happen regularly, every so often there's a cancellation or just one random three-night window of availability in the middle of the week. Now, posting about the fact that you've had a cancellation or that you've got just three nights left in February on your Instagram story is a great start, but what if you could automatically notify interested guests the second a cancellation comes through? And that's where Ping comes in. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and integrates with your Airbnb listing and allows your fans and followers to sign up to be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked for the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and will be pinged if their requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which allows you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping, it's what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. Sign up for free at www.bnbping.com. Ping. Brought to you by Spontaneous. I want to. I want to hear the story here. Is it was this purely out of convenience? Was it like, hey, you know what? This is just going to be way easier for tax purposes. <laughs> this is just like one thing. You know, I'm dealing with one corporation here. Or, or like, like how how did you think about structuring this? Um, what was uh, what's the story behind Perfect Space? Uh, it you know it has a long history of pivots. Okay, so if you okay. go back in the wayback machine, you'll see stuff that you'd be like, what? Seriously? <laughs> like that's what Perfect Space was. Um, yeah, so Perfect Space started out a long time ago as uh, as a company I built in college, and the it was all about like um, is actually about rent uh, rental search engine okay. um, at the time. So, um, so that was the original origination, and uh, you know I had split it had turned into two different companies, and I had split off one of them and sold it, and the other one I kept, and I just kept the and eventually I just kept the name and I kind of closed the rest of it and then turned that into an agency. And that was what we were building in San Diego. We built that agency for 10 years and we ran that as a web development firm. 
And so we liked that and it was fun, but at some point we started building our own products um, and we started getting out of doing the service side of it. And so as we were building our own products and a couple of them became relatively successful where we just kind of like set it and forget it. And it was pretty much just maintenance at that point. Um, and again, I don't do maintenance well, right? So like I'm moving on. So, so, so um, we kept building things. And so it was kind of like, well, you know, we have this name and we have this company and it's been sitting around, you know, hanging out. And so we might as well just build the project. And what we, what we started doing was kind of like the way that we can, the way that I consult other companies to do or other people who want to start a business is, is really, it's about like trying to figure out the market and before you go and really like put a ton of effort behind it. So mm. for us, we kind of codified that into let's go start something. I mean, I've literally put something out there the other day and it was like, Hey, here's a new project. And I, I call them projects because I just put them out there as like, here's a landing page with an email sign up yeah. and go find the, the source of people who are interested and see if they'll show up. And if they do ask them a bunch of interesting questions and try and validate um, your worst possible position, like what's going to kill the business, what's going to kill the idea and just go through that kind of evolution. And if it works out, then you build the product and, and you, and all of that is still a project underneath perfect space for, yes, it's for convenience, but it's more like, why go build a brand new separate company? I'm yeah. probably not going to sell this thing. Exactly. I'm just going to like shove it into the corner and yeah. let it maintain. And then I'm going to go off and do something else. And so now we have all these assets that just kind of like do what they do. And we don't have to really maintain too much of it. We build them on purpose um, with the idea that at some point we'll probably want to leave it alone and let it kind of work its magic. And we get to go off and do something new if we want to. And there's always somebody to kind of maintain it and keep, track of it and do customer service and all that stuff but it's like more um more a house for projects mm. and then we've had we've done other things as the agency where we've taken equity in companies um in trade for development and so we would take and keep that equity inside a perfect space so we have a whole host of you know file folders of paper that some are worthless and some are great but <laughs> they just sit around and they're all part of the same company. So in a way it's like a holding company for yeah, stuff Yeah. Um, that my business partners and I, you know, do. And when something becomes its own animal, then, you know, we'll spin it out and make it its own company. And we have LLCs or whatever, like kind of sitting in the wings that are just kind of holding, sitting around and waiting for a project to work. And then we'll like put it into Ship the it LLC and then yeah. sell it off or do whatever we need to do from that point. So fascinating, yeah. fascinating, fascinating, dude, this is awesome. I also love the combination of like travel related products and fintech because like, it's not necessarily something that like, you know, at, at first glance makes sense. Um, but, uh, as, as sort of like a, a combo that you would expect within the context of like one studio. Um, but, but it's also it, you know, there are, there are obviously also overlaps as well. Um, which, which is fantastic. And I feel like it's, it's a cool reflection of like, you um probably and like your your interests right and, and your unique yeah. gifts and talents i i also feel like you know just to bring it home a little bit to folks tuning in who are uh sdr hosts and sdr entrepreneurs is like one of the one of the big questions people wrestle with all the time when they are acquiring a new property or they're they're building a new property is like okay do i bring this property into my existing brand or do i spin up like a new brand for the property right uh forget even like company just like branding from a branding perspective like what's better do i do i brand the collection right and this is a this is a home of zach's you know top rated airbnb collection 
uh, or do I do I get a really cool like you know name like uh, I'm right now the Airbnb I'm staying in is called the Sparrow's Nest, right? Like, and I think that 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 is uh, a strategy that like a lot of people like wrestle with is like what what is the better approach? Um, it, given given kind of your expertise and just not that you're a brand guy per se, but given you know what you've built and and the companies that you've worked with and consulted with, do you have any just kind of thoughts or, or musings on like how to how to kind of sort through that tension? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, 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 I'm going to start by saying like, I am not a brand guy. Um, I think brand comes second to products, like build a product that people want and the rest of it will take care of itself. If, you know, the things that we've built that I feel like had branding that worked, and this is not in the physical space, right? This is in digital space, but the things that I feel like that could have been branded are things that like kind of get a name for itself in a, in a, in an area. Um, the brands that I recognize now are individuals. So mm. I'm going to kind of use that as an, as uh, an idea behind this, but like if the person who's building something, so I'm going to use like the collective brand, the collective brand is for instance, this indie hacker XYZ yep. person like yep. Joe. Yep. If Joe is this indie hacker and he's like making all these awesome products and I know product a, and therefore then I know Joe and I follow Joe and Joe does product B then I'm going to naturally try it out. Yeah. Right? Like that. Yeah. So the brand idea works from that perspective, but that's because I'm in that world. Yeah. If so to kind of parlay that to the hotel space, if you've got a hotel and this is just, again, this is my guess. I'm no expert in this, but, if, but if I were to guess, if you have a ho hotel in one area that has a correlation to another area or is geographically, you know, constrained, then yeah, it would probably make sense to have a brand that encompasses both because yeah. then you have this nice, you know, movement from like, oh, that's brand A. I know brand A. I've been to brand A. I'm going to expect brand A when I go to this other Location. hotel that's across yeah. this, down the street or in the next city nearby or whatever. That probably makes sense. But but if those two locations are wildly different, like I lived in a city that was the most liberal city in Washington state and it was... 30 miles away from the most conservative city in Washington state. <laughs> and if you have that situation, you might not want a brand that is all encompassing. You yeah. might want to separate those two things out. So I think it depends on kind of like who's in that space and are you attracting the same people? And is there a consistency level yeah. there that, that they can depend on? Right. Like we go to Starbucks or McDonald's or I don't, whatever, pick it, pick your brand. Right. Um, we go to that because we know what we're going to get. So if that's the case and you can, build consistency off that, then great, do it. If yeah. you, if you're not doing that and you want that unique flavor, then there's probably no reason to do so. Um, unless you have the crossover of individuals who would be looking for that same name because they already know your name, yeah. they've been a previous visitor and they've loved it. Then yeah. sure. Even if it's not necessarily the same location. Yeah, so, no, that's, that's, that's my two cents. No, no. And I, you know, for not being a brand guide, I think a brand guy, I think that that's a fantastic brand advice. Um, <laughs> And it, you know, it, it at least it at least makes uh, sense at, at first pass. And yeah, I think that that is. I love that example of like the the cities uh, being mo most conservative city being thirty minutes from most liberal city, and how yeah, you, strategically you might want to spin up a totally different brand, even if you own hotels in in both cities uh, or, or Airbnbs for that matter. So th think that's awesome advice. A couple of final questions for you, Nate is. 
What, given that you're a uh, travel hacker, you're now living full time in an RV, right? You've brought your family with you. You're working on these cool travel related products and projects. What What are some like hot takes you have about uh, the the current and or the future state of the travel industry? Mm. Well, you know, as I so I I hesitate to say this because um, mostly because like this. So far, this interview has been very positive, and I really like it. But I'm <laughs> I'm a little bit, I'm a little bearish at this point, and 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 the reason why I'm bearish is because, um, it, well, first of all, you have to understand, I'm I'm always about two years out. So if I say I'm bearish now, it's probably because it's two, three, three years, five okay. years yeah. from now. Sure. It's not today. Like, um, somebody asked the other day, um, you know, how it was going and everything, and then they said, oh, you've been must have been killing it with travel, and I'm like, yeah, it's been great because everybody, you know, everybody's coming coming back and i foresee this will probably be the same next year but you know we have some things against us in the travel industry um and i think that's that are going to be really really tough and i think we have you know we have inflation we have global recessions we have all kinds of things that are happening right now that are not conducive to especially the middle class luxury traveler mm. um and, and i and i say middle class luxury but i what i really mean by that is people with disposable income yeah um middle class is getting priced out you know we're heading towards something where we have upper and lower classes lower classes aren't going to go anywhere middle classes are you know going to start to go away as they as we've seen that trend over the last 10 years it's going to get even more pronounced in the next five years i think is my guess um, because of where we're headed. And so I think with all of the things that are kind of like the global dynamics that are happening right now, yeah. my thought is, I mean, staying in the hospitality and travel space and what I'm doing is I'm looking at it like either, you know, you kind of need to um, brace yourself with cash, uh, hope to last through if yeah. you can, Yeah, uh, innovate, try to find something new, some way of doing what you're doing, but like spin it into something new that's not been done before and, and make a new name for yourself for the trend that is happening or get niched mm. and do something that is very, very specific to individuals where you can be sustainable. And I think, but I think the point of all of that is to get really good at running a profitable business before you look at any kind of growth. Yeah. If you are trying to continue to grow, you should grow now and know that this is coming to an end mm. um, and take care of your finances and your cash flow first. And if you can't do that, you're going to struggle afterwards because I don't see the industry growing like it has in the past 10 years. I think we're running into the end of this cycle and having, I'll say this, I worked for the past like couple of years. Um, I was working with a hotel brokerage company and, and working with somebody specifically who had been in the industry for, you know, 30, 40 years. And he said, look, I've seen this cycle. It happens about every 10 years. Mm -hmm. We go up and we get crazy travel and then we go down and everybody like loses their inventory, hotels close and they, you know, become conglomerates and go under fly different flags and things like that. So this cycle is here. Like yeah. we know, we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming five years ago, even before the pandemic happened. It was just, we had this little wave. And so I think that, I think that there's also other dynamics that are happening. I think Airbnb hosts worldwide are being aggregated into companies. They're charging cleaning fees and they're making themselves less consistent, less uniform, less trusted version of a hotel. Yeah. And I think that's a big problem. Yeah. I think digital nomads don't trust them now. If you go mm. on any Facebook groups, you can ask like, where do you go? And over half of them, 60% plus are saying, well, I don't do Airbnb anymore. I yeah. just go to a hotel. Yeah. Why do they do that? Because yeah. of these things like, you know, they don't trust the, the Airbnbs anymore. So this is, 
I think this is a problematic trend that we need to reverse if we're going to be able to continue down this path. But I think um, tourists, like the general tourists, aren't far behind. I think chain hotels are charging resort fees and they're burning their guest loyalty. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, it, like I said, there's some bearish problems yeah. in the industry at the moment. And to be honest, I think there's going to be um, a separating of the wheat from the chaff mm. in the next five years. Like there's going to be a point where those who burn their loyalty, their guests and things like that with these like crazy weird fees and and stuff like that, like you're not going to get that repeat customer. They're going to tell that story to the next person and it's just going to hurt your brand in, in the end. And I think that because of the the recession and the impact of inflation and sapping of the funds of the middle-class travelers, I think that used to dominate the industry in the next five years, that's going to start to go away. And you will have to be, you know, having those recurring people that are going to come back to your place because of the experience they had and, yeah. you know, the the transparency and how personable the staff was and all the things that like, if you remember who pays your bills, you know, you would treat them differently. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I think if we get, well, I think we're going to end up getting back to that because it's going to, it's going to separate it out yeah. at some point. So I would just, my, I don't know, my advice, just remember who pays your bills. Yeah, like yeah. treat those people with the utmost respect and kindness and go the extra mile. Um, you know, look for ways of like treating them like the Kings and Queens that they should be. Yeah. And, um, well, what, and I think you'll you'll find that you'll your business will last in yeah. that way. But well, yeah. what, what what I hear, I mean, that you know, that's definitely definitely a, a downer, Nate. Uh, gosh, but <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But but that's exactly like, that is that is a hot take, right? Like this is awesome. I'm super glad we're talking about this. So so what I would what I, how I would just respond to everything that you just said. Uh, simply is like it, I guess where the opportunity lies, uh, based off how you just ended uh, that that statement, was the opportunity. I think is is really kind of a brand experience opportunity, right? Like how do you craft something that is so different and is so special and is so memorable and is so unique? And if you if you aren't doing that already, like if you're a short term rental host and you've got a portfolio of properties, if you haven't started doing that or you aren't thinking very critically about how to do that. It's now or never, uh, based off of what yeah. you know, uh, uh, your predictions here. And I think that the encouraging thing should be that, like, unlike a massive hotel chain, right? You are presumably pretty nimble, right? So the ability, yeah. the ability to shift, the ability to pivot, the the ability to think a little bit more critically about, like, hey, what is our what is our model? What do we really need for nightly rate? Like, do we need new cleaners? How do how do we rethink our 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 expenses even, right? Maybe we need to be okay with profit margins that aren't quite where where they were. Um, but what could we do to, at the very least, help grow our brand at a time where maybe maybe our business won't grow as much, but our but our brand can grow during this you know next uh, season of time. So I don't know. Ho hopefully that's like a little bit of hope for folks. Is like, look, you know, this is this is an opportunity to get really serious about differentiation, and those that do right have the opportunity to to grow right and and to and to be around after after this those who don't yeah. you know it might be a little bit more of a crapshoot yeah I, th I think the opportunity is really it's direct bookings it's loyalty programs it's those things that like again come back to like you're supporting the person because they're there and yeah and they've supported you by giving you their money and their time and and you should be you know thinking about that that you might want that person in three years to show back up on the one vacation they get for the two weeks yeah. that they you know out of the year that they get to use those you know use that time off so if you're the one that they remember in the right moment then you're good 
right? Yeah. But yeah. if you're the one that you, they remember for the wrong reasons and they're telling you those stories, <laughs> <laughs> not you, you know, they're not coming back and neither are any of their friends. Yeah. So I just be careful. But like, yeah. I think the op- there's an opportunity, yeah. right? And, and I think experiences is, is a piece of that. I think the holistic experience of what they get when they book with you and ha- is your brand. Yeah. That is your brand. Yeah. That's at least in the consumer's mind, at least in my mind, yeah. when I go to a place, I can tell you about a place that I went in Paris because they treated my kids unimaginably well yeah. with like chocolate Eiffel towers. And I never asked for it and we never upgraded and they did everything. Yeah. I can tell you exactly where that place is to this day. And it was been probably 10, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, that's not going to go away. And I'll book that place any for any amount of money. Yeah. When you're back. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, the, I think that's, that's the opportunity yeah. is you get, you could have, you could have been in my mind. Yeah. You know, you could have been the, the, the place that I want to stay. So I would just encourage anybody who's listening that has those kinds of places that has those guests come in, make it the place that, that the person will never forget. Yeah. And they'll tell their friends and that will go a really long way, way, way further than you think. And it's really hard to measure by yeah, the way, yeah. that word of mouth is hard, <laughs> but like, yeah, but it's worth it. Yeah. So, well, Nate, yeah. this has been, this has been amazing, dude. I really appreciate uh, your time. And, um, it's just, it's so fun to hear your story and, and hear how you think about things and what you're tinkering with, uh, um, in your mind and, and your hot takes. And th- this has been a, uh, such a, such a privilege and really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Uh, for folks that want to connect with you, we'll go ahead and we'll throw your, uh, Twitter handle in the show notes. Uh, we'll throw your website in the show notes if that's cool. Um, and of course we'll be linking to room steel. So if you want to learn more about Nate, uh, follow him, uh, thank him, disagree with him over DMS, whatever you want to do. Uh, the, uh, the gateway to all of that can be found in the show notes, but thank you so much sir for your time it's been a it's been an honor it's been awesome i love it this is this is a great great time so thanks zach hey friends hope you've enjoyed today's show if you are an airbnb host or know an airbnb host who'd like to come on the show please send me an email at zach z-a-c-h at spontaneous.com and we will chat Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at Spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're gonna roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.